Hey folks, welcome to The Wire. It's that time, yes it is, to talk about sports. And we are itching to talk about some things today. Golf. The Masters just happened this past weekend, so we're definitely going to talk about that. We're going to talk some football for you, and we're going to talk about the greatest of all times, wrestler style, okay? And when I mean wrestler style, I'm going back in the day. I haven't watched it since, but I'm going back in the day. I'm talking about Mankind. I'm talking about Undertaker. I'm talking about Kane. I'm talking about Steve Austin. I'm talking about The Rock. I'm talking about Hulk Hogan. I'm talking about Bret Hart. I'm talking about a lot of different things, but first, we're going to talk about golf. The Masters just happened, okay? And everyone knows the Masters is one of four major championships that happen in professional golf. It kind of starts everything off. And we had some predictions. Some of those predictions didn't didn't follow through. Some of them fell short, uh, kind of like Tiger Woods did on the 12th hole. He got plus 10 on the 12th hole. Holy moly, Tiger, holy moly. Now, this is the only thing I'll say about Tiger and the only thing that I liked was that he birdied five of the next six holes after that plus 10. So if you take that plus 10 out, ladies and gentlemen, and he would have just got a par on that, he would have finished at minus eight, which he would have been tied for 13th. He still wouldn't have won, but he would have been tied for 13th. Instead, he ended up being tied for 38. Tiger, we can't say anything else to you or about you right now because it's all about DJ. Dustin Johnson wins the Masters Tournament. He had a minus four round on day four, ended up with minus 20 for the entire tournament and beat out all the competition. The second person to him was minus 15. Richie, Marvin, Justo, tell me how you felt about the Masters this past weekend. I mean, I'll start it off. Um, I'm going to let Marv talk about the record that DJ hit, quite frankly, and he beat Tiger. Uh, I believe Tiger was 1997 uh, when he had that record originally and he had held it. Um, what I think was kind of weird, and I, I, I've already experienced it kind of, so I can only imagine for DJ specifically when I say this, is watching a celebration without like the roars. You know, like I remember we talked about getting to see the beauty of the course, but then it was just like weird not experiencing you know, having the crowd and the experience of that and the celebration and particularly in golf where it's such an individual sport. And yes, this is the caddy uh, as somebody who's caddy for you. You know, the point being, you're basically on your own and yeah, you're caddy and your team in that sense. But, you know, it's kind of you. So it's like you always that celebration with the, you know, the audience and the crowd and like the gallery is what it's called. Um, I was expecting, you know, like it just felt off in that sense, not like that he didn't perform well he did incredible and again record-breaking uh performance but it it just seems a little not empty but it just felt a little strange i guess is what i would say as an audience member like not getting to see that crazy celebration due to covid so um congratulations to him like i said record-breaking performance um it was incredible i mean he dominated what was, what was the next closest guy you said five five off from him it wasn't even close five off and again like what 268 I think total is what Marvin said. So uh, Marvin, can you speak on that? 268 lowest all time. Yeah, um, at 20 under. I mean, he cleared the field. There was nobody in reach of Dustin Johnson from the first round. 
Um, for me, Richie, this I haven't seen a dominant performance like this since Tiger's 1997 Masters, when Tiger just uh, was just getting introduced to the PGA, and that was like his second uh, his second major, it was like his second PGA event. Tiger just dominated. There was no one in the field, and you kind of look twenty something plus years down the line, and you're like, wow, Justin Johnson set that record. There was just nobody in reach. He played well. He hit 47 greens in regulation. He just plays very consistent throughout the whole the whole four rounds. And when you look at Tiger, uh, he struggled. Uh, he struggled from, uh, I'd say, the second round on. He just couldn't find his short game. And much like what Tony was saying, uh, once he got himself into that hole and went 10 over, on on hold nine, it was just kind of hard to come back from that. Even though he had birdied the next the next five holes after that in golf, once you get in a hole, it's kind of hard. A hole like that, it's it's hard to come out of it. You know, believe me, I know. I've been in tournaments, Richie, y'all, y'all. Like I had a snowman on my card, <laughs> you know, a couple of times in my life, and it's not fun. And I can imagine it was it was it was a tough day for Tiger. Um, but the question. Now is 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 Tiger going to continue to play in the Masters? You know, we're going to see Tiger again. You know, after this after this performance, you know, I know he won last year, defending champion this year. Uh, but Dustin Johnson uh, is he earned it. You know, being 34 years old on tour, uh, winning his second major, uh, it, it just it just the true testament to the hard work he I mean he put in. So. Uh, I mean, that's the question now. We're going to see Tiger, you know, again in another, you know, in another Masters. Can he win that six green jacket? Going to be tough because the field is getting a lot more competitive. You know, as Tiger said, every year, you know, like Roy, Richie finished, uh, he tied for fifth. He actually played pretty well, you know. So you see guys every year that are, you know, just knocking on that door, you know, at Augusta. And they're just not. They're just going into the field, not being intimidated of the past. You know what Tiger's dominance once was. You know because we didn't see that this weekend. I'm just going to say before Justin says anything that the debacle happened on hole 12, uh, not hole nine. Oh, so 12. It is on 12. But I just wanted to clear that up. And then you know the minus 20. Absolutely. It's amazing that he got to minus 20. Tiger got to minus 18 in 1997 and he won by 12 strokes. He won by 12 strokes in 1997. That's that's amazing, but that's not the Tiger of today. And that's what we all have to realize is that if you're a golf fan, you root for your favorite golfers and Tiger is my favorite golfer by far. But like Marvin said, the times have caught up. Will he compete? That's up to Tiger. I mean, if he wants to, then sure, go ahead and do it. But you can't hang with these young cats like you used to be able to hang. So, you know, and even last year he won because no one actually took the steps needed to pull themselves to go out front. That was the first time that he came back and won a major championship ever. Ever. I said that last week. The first time ever. So even that wasn't even in his grasp that he was going to win it. He had to go out there and, and attain that and get that, and people fell backwards. And I forget what the guy, Malinari, I think is his name. He actually had the lead, but he pulled a Tiger like Tiger pulled this year. 
and he hit it in the water twice last year. And that's why he ended up losing the Masters last year. And that's why Tiger won. But everybody doesn't see it that way. They see it the other way, which is that Tiger was the reason that he won the championship, not that the other. And it, and it is Tiger, but that other guy, he had a chance. He definitely had a chance. All right, Justo, I'm sorry. You can go ahead and take your turn. No, oh, you're good, man. My turn's real short. You guys not, know I'm not huge on golf, but I try to check it out as much as I can. I think what I can speak on the best is... All right. Thank you very much, Justin. That was very nice. <laughs> go ahead. And, no, I'm just going to go ahead. It, well, I'm just going to kind of go off of Marvin's question, um, which is a question we've seen with other professional athletes across um, this, the different sports, you know, like a forever Brett Favre conversation. When's he going to give up? you know um the the conversation they're having now about like ben roethlisberger and some of these guys uh drew Brees. It, it, like you said tony it's kind of it's kind of up to them um but to marvin's point and the thing that the the chord that marvin kind of struck with me is in the acting business is another one where there are young hungry talented people coming up every single day um and when i first took acting one i, I was fortunate in it enough to have a very tough professor a coach a mentor who told all of us how it was you know telling people hey you're overweight or you, you need to get your teeth fixed or whatever if you got a problem with that get out and then he said anybody else if you got a problem seriously get out because there's a line that is forever long of people who want to just get into this first course and i think that's the same thing you see golf has expanded over the years into like a highly com competitive uh, high school division, um, <clears throat> college, everything. You know, golf has become this this huge sport, and so of course there's going to be new um, powerhouses, sharks that are going to be coming into this this business every year. So Tiger has to decide if he has one more big one in him. And I agree with Tony. I think he's going to have to figure out how to win because I think his days of just flat dominating are gone because of all of the raw talent that just keeps popping up. And congratulations to DJ on his second uh, big tour win. All right, all right. Well, you heard it here on The Wire. We talked a little bit about the Masters. Richie, did you want to say anything about answering Marvin's question before we go to the next thing, or are we okay to move on? Yeah, we are okay to move on, my friend. All right, well, then you know where we're going. We're going to what happened this past weekend with the NFL. L, baby. We're going to save wrestling for last. We're going to get right into the NFL. So I have the pleasure to talk about some of these games that happened. And boy, oh boy, here's the recap for you. Here it comes. The Colts beat the Titans 34 to 17. The Browns beat the Texans 10 to 7. The Lions squeaked out on a win against the Washington football team 30 to 27. The Buccaneers recovered from their last week debacle and scored 46 points against the Panthers, 23. The Eagles lost to the Giants, 17 to 27. The Packers scored 24. The Jaguars scored 20. The Cardinals, wow. Boy, oh boy, I'm gonna give somebody that game and I hope they take it. They better not defer it. The Cardinals on a Hail Mary pass caught by Hopkins. 32 to 30 against the Bills. The Dolphins 29, the Chargers 21, the Raiders 37, the Broncos 12. The Rams took care of the Seahawks. What's going on with the Seahawks? Man, 23 to 16. 
The Saints and the 49ers game. The Saints took care of business 27, 49ers 13. The Bengals, the Steelers, 36, Steelers 10 for the Bengals. And you have the Patriots, the what? The Patriots 23, the Ravens 17, the what? The Patriots 23, the Ravens 17. Wow. That was a game that I thought was going to go differently on Sunday Night Football, but I stayed and watched the entire... The weather was terrible. That was some bad weather, raining. You know, it's cold up in Foxborough. Ooh, it was terrible. So, first up, I'm going to give it to my man, Richie, because he likes to talk, and I like to hear him talk. That's just the way it is, okay? I don't go that way, but if I did, hey. Anyway, so here we go. Are you ready for this, Richie? Are you going to take the ball or take it or defer Bills Cardinals? Oh, taking the ball, please. I'm hitting you. Take it away. That or New Orleans would have been really fun. I got stuff for New Orleans. But what I will say about this game is, wow. Um, Probably one of the most dominant moments I've seen in sports, like period. Uh, the only thing I think, and it wasn't even dominant per se, was just that beautiful little uh, David Tyree catch with his forearm. Um, Hopkins, what just happened? Three guys, and they beat him there. The three guys beat him there. If you watch it, they were there before he was there. And, you know, I love Kyler Murray. Uh, I don't know if you saw his tweet. But he even he was memeing it. He's basically saying, hey, D hops there. Why not threat? Like, who cares? Uh, clearly, it wasn't something they planned. It's the epitome of a Hail Murray, Mary. And this was like Madden. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not trying to denigrate or downplay the rest of the game. But clearly, this, this is what we talk about. So uh, I want to focus on a one fired Bill O'Brien, B.O.B., as they call him in Houston. Uh, he traded DeAndre Hopkins, if people don't remember. And uh he got a lot for him. Let me tell you, he got a David Johnson, the running back who, I mean, let's be honest, and a second round pick and they swapped fourth picks for DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins. Now, there's a lot of great talent right now in the league, particularly at wide receiver. You got Stefan Diggs, right? You got D-Hop himself. There's just so many amazing guys. I mean, everybody can, you know, there's so many good dudes like Lockett, for Green Bay, there's just, I, I don't even want to get into like how many great, I, I feel like this is like the period of wide receivers. It's like the Mecca. And it's also like the period of like the defensive linemen. Uh, and we're going to get into that later because I got to give a shout out to TJ Watt in addition to we already know our studs. But um, it's crazy to me to see that play um, in professional football. Uh, you know, I used to do this to my boys in Madden when I was like 21 years old, like 14 years ago, but to actually see it in an NFL game and to just see somebody have that concentration and to be able to just put it down, man. Like this, this is why he's still showing everybody, yeah, like I'm the best. Like D hop has always been a, a top three wide receiver. And I, I, I feel honestly of all the people, I feel bad for Deshaun Watson. And I, I know this is, we're not even talking about the teams at this point. But I feel bad for Deshaun Watson sitting here looking at his team as is J.J. Watt. And they're just like, why? Why? You know, like, this is what this is the man they had. And they knew it. It's just Bill O'Brien had a personality clash. And you know what? I absolutely love the Cardinals, man. I love it. I love Kyler Murray. 
and I love DeAndre Hopkins. And to me, like as a like that's my quarterback wide receiver punch, just because of like how dynamic Murray is. Because again, we already know what DeAndre Hopkins brings, as we saw in that Hail Mary pass. And I'm excited to see the, the future of the league. I'm excited to see like guys like him. I love what Stefan Diggs is doing with Buffalo as well. Um, honestly, and he's not even wide receiver, but Marvin's got him. Alvin Kamara, he is dominating in receptions right now. Uh, and it's this is like the league of youth, man. I This is like a really interesting time because what you're seeing is you're seeing the guys like Antonio Brown and uh, even Julio Jones, who's still a threat, but not to what he used to be and what he once was. And AJ Green falling off the map. But you're seeing these young studs and DeAndre Hopkins is at the lead of that. And I am, I've just, I don't know if I've ever seen that in real life. I really can't even describe that, man. I have never seen a dude just there's three cornerbacks like all sitting here. And and honestly, for those of you watching, what this really should be is a story of improper defense, right? What they should have done is swatted went to swat, Buffalo should have tried to swat the ball down, but those guys tried to catch it. And that is exactly why you try to go for deflections in that scenario. Yeah, the, and that's the point is the three of them were so confident. Hey, well, D-Hop's not going to... 75% chance, right, guys? Well, I mean, clearly it was 100% DeAndre was going to come down with it because he came down with it at the end of the day. And um, what a play. What a play. Uh, you know, I, I would love to sit here and just keep going through the game, but I just went on a giant soliloquy about DeAndre Hopkins and Bill O'Brien. So we're going to leave it at that. But that is probably the the moment in football that i'm gonna remember for a long time i really feel like that's the type of thing where i'm gonna show a lot of my friends out here a lot of them are women and they don't like football that's the type of thing we'll be like just watch this play and there's not a person in this planet that's not going to get excited seeing something like that that was just incredible athleticism focus and dedication to his craft and he's shown time and time again for years why he's one of the best wide receivers and in my opinion that's the catch that shows him right now in the hot seat as the best wide receiver in football on a great team quite frankly and they beat a great buffalo team who was still i believe six and three even after that loss yeah so to be honest with you it it brought back memories i've only felt that feeling one other time and that's when santonio holmes caught the game-winning touchdown in the super bowl against the cardinals the steelers played the cardinals that's the last time i felt that and to get back to what richie just said the bills are seven and three not six and three but they're seven and three so moving on justo do you want to take or defer the 49ers versus the saints Hmm. Well, I'm going to take it and defer it because uh, this is this is how I feel about it. Now, uh, the Saints won good on them, but I, I do I do want to talk about the Saints because something I couldn't get past this week, and I, I knew that this was going to come around, and in and, and words of Tony, I'm going to be the asshole this week. Um, the Saints, following their 38-3 win over the Buccaneers, which was astonishing, had a little post-game celebration in the locker room. Now this is players, coaches, everybody, right? They didn't have masks on. The seven and two Saints are now gonna uh, face, what? let me find the quote, what do they say? Significant discipline 
estimated to be somewhere close to what uh, the Las Vegas Raiders dealt with after they broke COVID-19 policies, which is the team a $500,000 fine, uh, head coach a $150,000 fine. Here's here's my problem with this. We've we talked about this before. They're playing football, right? They're quarantined together as a team, individually. They didn't bubble. They didn't put the whole league in one place. They've got everybody doing it team by team. So as all of us are learning, you're not quarantined with, with people that you're wearing masks with at home, right? Are, are, is everyone in your house wearing a mask 24-7? No, because you're quarantined together. It's stupid altogether because you're playing fucking football. So if the, anybody on either side of the ball has covid Everybody that's on that field's at risk, regardless of what you do in the damn locker room. Now, we're spending time finding these teams half a million fucking dollars over a little celebration, over a win that that was worth celebrating about. First of all, who posted the who posted the video? Where where was your head at? Because clearly the NFL is taking the fine part of this seriously, which we knew they would because what is this about? It's about money. That's the only reason we're playing football, right? Because it's about money. I think this is kind of like Tony the other day when he couldn't talk football. I'm having a hard time doing it this week because I just think that this is sick. This is sick. This is the NFL showing their true colors. This was a chance to make another 600 $700,000 off a team because they celebrated in their personal locker room with the, the people that they're quarantined with 24-7. Yeah, they got to wear masks on the field. Yeah, they're starting to bring people in. Yeah, that's stupid and dangerous. So maybe find yourselves for, for the giant uh, fucking stupid decision to have this scene in the season in the first place and stop focusing on little shit like like a team celebrating in the locker room. It doesn't matter at that point. They've been sweating, spitting, and rubbing themselves all over another 11 guys at least for for the past four hours. So what does it matter what goes on in this locker room? I don't know. I think I, I'm still, I'll be ready to talk football again next week, but I'm still just with, with stories like this coming to the forefront. I'm like, why are we even playing? Why are we putting all these people and their families at risk? Yeah, I, I mean, I won't. I won't stay on the track that you're on, but I will say that the NFL has definitely accumulated some fines from a lot of different places, from NFL coaches, from NFL teams, all the way from 100,000 per penalty for the face mask and all the way up to 250,000 per club. And there's multiple of those out there. So yeah, they're definitely, definitely getting some cash in on some of the um, restrictions that they have. And if they have those restrictions, then they have those restrictions. The teams just have to abide by those restrictions. But I, I'm right there with you, Justin. It, it doesn't make any damn sense. This goes all the way back to the last season when we talked about them not being able to uh, take jerseys and switch them and, and sign different stuff and all that other stuff. You're on the field already you're shaking hands with people or fist pumps or whatever you see. And you still have those people out there that don't have masks on when they get to the center of the field at the end of the game. Plus they play the whole damn game without a mask on already. So I'm right there with you. I won't say much more because there's, there's no point of it and I don't want to waste the time. Uh, but I, I'm right there with you, Justin. I totally agree. Marvin, my man, let's see if you take this one home dog skillet. Do you take or defer the Ravens versus the Patriots? Uh, 
That's a tough one because I saw that game last night and hmm, I will I'll defer on this one. All right, I got another goody goody for you. Do you take or defer the Chargers versus the Dolphins? Uh, I'll defer that one too. All right, I got another. Goody. I think, uh, but I will say the Dolphins are on the right track. Yep, five five straight wins. Uh, do you take or defer the Seahawks versus the Rams? Oh, give me that one. Give me that one. Line it up and serve Give me it. that one. Oh, yeah, because it's, yep, because the scope is officially on Russell Wilson and the rest of that squad, particularly the microscope is on that defense. Uh, now, we all understand that they lost Jamal Adams this Sunday to another injury. Their defense has been COVID and injury depleted all season long, but it doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that Russell Wilson has been continually turning the ball over for the last three weeks. That's something to zero in on. This past Sunday, y'all, he had two interceptions and a fumble. You can't win football games like that. Now, you got Tyler Lockett and you got DK Metcalf on the outside and you got Jalen Ramsey covering it. Jalen Ramsey's not going to give up that much to DK Metcalf. I don't know who got it wrong in the scouting report, but but Jalen Ramsey is an all-pro. He's been an all-pro for the last five years. And so... He locked down DK Metcalf. That shut down the passing game. But, y'all, when I look at the numbers here, Russell Wilson had 60 yards rushing. That's more than the three running backs that they started. You can't win football games like that. Now, you know that the the running backs are hurt. But still, like I said last week, they are putting too much point of emphasis and weight on offense on Russell Wilson. They have to find another way because they're starting to look, they're starting to fall apart as if like they did last year. You know, we're not seeing Russell Wilson cook in the kitchen. You know, it would, you know, it's just smoke. I don't see nothing cooking. He's not cooking right now. And in that division, it's getting it's getting a lot tougher, Tony. That division is getting is is really tough. You see the Cardinals, uh you still got the Rams are making a run. I mean the Seahawks started out with so much momentum and you're starting to see all the holes catch up with them this season, particularly the defense. And it's going to come down to them making adjustments or they're not going to go far in the postseason. Right now, I think what, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick, Tony, they're, uh, they're actually tied for first in the division or are they second now? They're tied. They, they're tied. They're tied for the Cardinals are six and three. The Rams are six and three, and the Seahawks are six and three. And the 49ers are sitting behind at four and six. Yeah, but ex- exactly. So it, at this point, you only their only hope is getting a healthy Jamal Adams back or Brandon Wagner. And Brandon Wagner is only one guy who can make up that defense. You need a secondary and. The Seahawks, like I said a few weeks ago here on this show, you guys will agree agree with me out there. Losing to Davion Clowney was the biggest loss of this team because they have no interior edge rusher on the line. They can't rush the quarterback. They can't do anything. They let Jared Goff play like Joe Montana yesterday. Come on. on. You just can't let that happen. They They allowed their offense to do whatever they wanted. So the Seahawks, they need to find another way because they're not going to win football games going forward like this. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and I'll say this, Marv, they might not even make the playoffs as they keep playing like this because they're in, like you said, they're in with the 
and the Cardinals. And let's not forget, you got the Saints and you have the Buccaneers who are also extremely hot. You know, we don't need to talk about the East, but they're going to be competing with the Saints slash Buccaneers, one of the NFC South teams for the wild card, in addition to the Rams and, you know, the Cardinals. So they, if they don't get their act together, they're not even making the playoffs. And that's crazy because a couple weeks ago, all we were talking about is you know, MVP Russell Wilson. But like you just said, I'm shocked by it. And then the other thing I'm shocked by, and I, I have to bring this up, guys, about the Saints game. It's not that Drew Brees got hurt. If you didn't know, he punctured, he punctured his uh, lung. And he has at least one broken rib, I believe. But Taysom Hill is still not being named starter. And if for those of you who don't watch the Saints, he's a gadget trick play quarterback. who's a backup quarterback and he's a big, big dude. Um, I would say he's a significantly less valuable Tim Tebow in that sense. Uh, but he gets paid $22 million, people. $22 million for a backup quarterback. And they're currently starting the guy even- that had more interceptions than touchdowns last year. <laughs> he was a starter somewhere else. You picked him up because, and nobody else would pick him up. And the only reason you picked up Jamison Winston, James Winston we're talking about, is because he had a very team friendly contract because they pay Taysom Hill $22 million and he's he's getting paid. Guys, pay me $22 million. I'll do whatever. If I don't have to start and play, come on. I, I got you, New Orleans. Are you kidding? How is he getting paid $22 million to be a backup quarterback who's apparently the backup backup quarterback? Because Jameis Winston, fresh off of his failures, is going to be playing and starting over him. When Taysom's been there for, what, at least three years. I can't believe it. Taysom Hill makes more than Deshaun Watson, people. Like, what is going on? I can't believe that. I, I had to side rail the conversation because that's absurd to me. That, like, how can you pay a guy $22 million and he's not starting or playing under the position he's supposed to be. Well, Richie, that's because Taysom Hill is inconsistent. <laughs> that's the answer to your question there. You know, that may be true what you're saying about Taysom Hill because, I, you know, for me, I'm not a huge Taysom Hill fan. I'm not a big fan of when they put him in there on third down and he has a habit of turning over the football, just like Jameis Winston. So really, where Sean Payton's at right now is a crossroads. He doesn't know which quarterback to start. So you have to go with the guy that pretty much has a cannon. Got to go with Jameis Winston because at this point, you're probably going to be playing from behind. So you will probably want Jason Jameis Winston in for the next three weeks because Taysom Hill, you're right, Richie, is a gadget player. Used all over the field. But, but only as good as the position as Drew Brees puts him in. He's not a team. He's not a guy that's going to lead the team for four quarters. He's not going to do that. That's not his job. Three years he's played for the Saints. He's thrown 13 passes. I didn't say completed. Thrown 13 passes. There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. And I don't want to get into it, but 13 passes and he's making 20 million. He's carried 27 carries for 156 yards this year. And he's getting $20 million. Shouldn't be getting that much money. That's just outrageous. All right, so you heard it here. I do want to emphasize what Richie was talking about. Let's say that the season ended 
today. Okay, it's all said and done. The season ends today. The Eagles would be going to the playoffs. Here we go. The Cardinals would be going to the playoffs. The Packers would be going to the playoffs. Here we go. Saints would be going to the playoffs. The Buccaneers would be going to the playoffs. And the Rams would be going to the playoffs. So the Seahawks don't even make the playoffs if the season ended today. But the good news is the season doesn't end today. And we've got some more weeks of football. And you're going to catch it here on The Wire. All the follow-up if you need because you couldn't watch the games. We're going to go to a quick commercial. And then we're going to talk about wrestling. If you smell. But The Wire is cooking. Are you tired of the mundane one subject, one point of view podcast? Have you been searching for a show that combines comedy, games, current events, and hot new up-and-coming artists? Well, look no further. The H2G Podcast has everything you need to start your week out right. So what are you waiting for? Stream previous seasons now at h2gpodcast.com. The H2G Podcast, Mondays at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Available at all social media platforms near you. And welcome back, folks. We are at the wire, and it is my favorite moment. I've been, well, actually, I don't know. Justin's been wanting this a lot, too. But I love the pageantry that is wrestling. I love the art and the meat slapping. Wait, that doesn't, wait, hold on. <laughs> the big, wait, hold on. Sorry, never mind. I love professional wrestling. Uh, Lucha Libre is actually my favorite, which is Mexican wrestling, you know, with the masks and stuff. There's a Nacho Libre movie. It's, it's grace. But nonetheless, we are here to talk about goats. This is Goat to Go to the Week, and we're sticking with wrestling right now. So, fellas, no context, any company, any country, any wrestler, for whatever reason you deem, we will not judge. But who is your goat? Who's your greatest of all time? I'm going to leave it off with Justin. His mic is ready to go. Justin, <laughs> goat. Oh, yeah, let me tell you there, Richie. I've been waiting for this question all day, but I don't think I should go first, man. I'm going to kick it over to Ray, man. How are you going to kick it over to me as you do the voice? You know what I'm saying? How you going to do that? Listen, I'll I'll be completely honest with people, okay? There's a lot of different people that I wanted to pick, okay? There's tons of people. I, I wanted to pick... You know, um, Brett Michaels. I wanted to pick Hulk Hogan. I wanted to pick The Undertaker. I wanted to pick Mankind or Mr. Foley or Cactus Jack. You know, you get so many different ones for that. But in all reality, I have to go with the person that entertained me the most and actually drew me into wrestling. Okay. And if you don't know who I'm talking about, then you're a jabroni. Okay, if you don't know, you're a jabroni because it's cooking and everybody can smell what's cooking right now. Scorpion King? The people's champ, the Scorpion King. Yes, yes, absolutely. The people's champ, the goat for me. I eaten. 
the reason why I watched wrestling, the reason why I attempted to wrestle people <laughs> on beds that we used to put on the floor and I used to jump off of dressers on top of people just pretending is The Rock, okay? The people's champ. Most entertaining person. I loved the 90s, late 90s wrestlers. I really did. I I was infatuated. I, I hated Shane McMahon. I didn't like Triple H. You know, I didn't like DMA. I didn't like any of those. No, none of those. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Didn't work for me, okay? Diamond Dallas Page, I kind of liked him, but he's not the GOAT, okay? He's not the GOAT. For me... It's all how I feel. And the GOAT for me, just like people feel that the GOAT is LeBron or the GOAT is Wilt Chamberlain or the GOAT is, you know, Kareem or the GOAT is Michael Jordan. The GOAT for me, my personal opinion, is The Rock. The most electrifying man in sports entertainment. The most electrifying. You know, Tony, that's a great pick. I don't think anybody could ever sit there and say anything bad about it. He is the personification of charisma and a true master of the mic. Marvin, who's your goat? Oh, man. Guys, last week I tried to think about this so hard. And I was like, Tony, I kept toying with different wrestlers from different brands, y'all. Like, it was really hard to come to that decision because I had so many matches, man. So many guys that stuck out to mind. But this one guy, there's one guy that won me over. And to this day, I'm still a fan because he's still very much involved. And I guess one can say he is the game and he is that damn good. Triple H is my GOAT. The 14 time oh, world champion, Triple unexpected, H. The unexpected. guy that you, the guy that you love to root for and love to hate. And that's exactly what Triple H was for me growing up. I was a huge fan, like Tony of The Rock. Loved The Rock. Loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. But there was that one guy, Triple H, that was like, man, I hate Triple H. I could not stand him. He always was so, like, sneaky. Like, when he was a heel, he was a mean guy. Like, it didn't matter. Like, he always had, had some backup come out of nowhere. There's always be some somebody else on his on his on his D or like a, 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 a faction or something so he would form some new faction but over time I was like man this dude just epitomizes like what we all want to relate to I mean this character was great on the mic he was vengeful if he did something to him he was vengeful when he lost like he he was and aside from that as an athlete his injuries over time I saw him come back rehabilitate himself it was really inspiring to watch as a kid and just a teenager I was like man Triple H really you know worked so hard to come back from you know torn quadricep surgery and you know right off the bone and it was just like man he put on some really iconic matches you know when I think about the matches he was in you know comes to mind uh Justin Tony Ritchie uh Triple H versus uh, Shawn Michaels. So that all those old school rivalries, Triple H versus Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H versus The Undertaker. There's just so many matches that you can choose from where it's like, man, I mean, how can you say this guy is not in that conversation with those ghosts? So to me, 
he is the GOAT because he's done it for so long and now he's running the brand and he's actually done a great job with that on the business side of things because we all know Mr. McMahon is taking a step back from running the company is now handed it over to Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and Triple H has done a great job with NXT. You know, I, I haven't watched wrestling as much as we did when we were kid, as I was when we were kids, but or a teenager, but seeing some of the things he's doing, it's just been great. You know, when uh, you see uh, other sports franchises win championships, he's given the, them the WWE belt. Uh, I just, I just love what he's doing with young talent, and he's just making sure that WWE is always going to be our one of our favorite pastimes. He's going to do everything he can to try to make it entertaining. So he's going to bring back who he can, guys that he worked with uh, from the past. And you know, I, I'm not a fan of seeing him wrestle now. You know, I, I'm not. <laughs> I will admit that <laughs> because seeing a ball Triple H is. It's a little weird to me, like seeing a, a ball Shawn Michaels is a little weird to me. Like, so if they pair up and do DX again, which is my favorite faction, y'all, I know about y'all out there listening to The Wire, D-Generation X, go up and look up some YouTube videos right now. It is hilarious. You will laugh your ass off. But y'all, I'm gonna wrap it up because I could go on forever talking about Triple H, but there y'all have it. Triple H is my GOAT, the king of kings. The game, the cerebral assassin. Marvin, I was not expecting that pick, but you know what? That's a good pick. And for the audience out there, if you don't know that gentleman, one of the biggest reasons, and Marvin just gave a laundry list because he is that damn good. Uh, but one of the biggest things I've always loved about him, beyond his character's growth, if you actually do watch throughout the years, he did just change so much to Marvin's point, is he was able to put guys over and he was actually notorious for allegedly not putting them over. But I mean, he made if you ever heard of a guy called Dave Batista, um, he was the sole reason because Triple H was winning for like three years and it's called the reign of terror. And he put Batista over. And by that, what I mean is he wasn't losing to anyone, including Bill Goldberg from WCW. And he just kept winning and kept winning and people were getting tired of it and tired of it and tired of it. And then his henchman, Dave Batista, got to turn on him. The crowd went electric. And then he fought Batista two more times back to back in pay-per-views and Batista beat him three nothing. And then that they shook hands after the third match. And it was kind of that passing of the torch to solidify Dave Batista as the best of the best, along with John Cena at that point and Triple H stepped down. So uh, to me, I I always loved how he made stars uh, and, uh, and he he also had that opportunity from Mick Foley. Mick Foley is what made him who he was. And I love to watch him pass the torch. And what to Marvin's point is, is I love to watch what he's doing for the business now. He's very much making this a mainstream thing or trying his best to. Um, he's also not like Vince McMahon where the traditional 80s where these guys have to be 380 pounds and seven feet. He's giving these guys like Ricochet, who's like six foot 170 pounds opportunities and he can flip and he has more of a Lucha Libre athletic acrobatic style. And that's really due to Triple H. So that's a really interesting pick. I didn't see that one coming at all in myself included. So Marvin, thank you for the insight on that one. But Justin, I want to know after that, who's your goat? Well, first of all, I want to say I heard what you said, Marvin, and I got some words for you. You're fired! No, I just had to. The wrestling is where most of my impressions come from. I love this sport. <laughs> um, 
I, I also think that Marvin could have let off with, if you check out Triple H, see how pristine his career has been. And if you're not down with that, we got two words for you. <laughs> but now that all the quotes are out of the way, I think this is hard as shit because I've always been a tag team guy for one. So like, that's weird amongst most of my wrestling friends because they, you know, they can talk about tag teams but they don't prefer tag teams um so I'm, I'm thinking young bucks briscoe brothers hardy's dudley's you know uh the shield like factions you get into all that it, there's so much talent out there um the rock was one of the best entertainers because he knew at the time what to say at the right time and he could perform in the ring now can he perform in the ring at the level of any of the most of the names that just came out of my mouth i don't think so so I, that's why the rock falls out of that for me he's great um in the way that he performs but i don't think anyone would put him anyone that severely has watched wrestling for a long time would put him in most technical category or uh, most exciting category when it comes to, to explosions even i think there's a lot of better wrestlers in that regard um same thing I think I'm going to say for Triple H. I think everything else that he's done uh, has been incredible. His his ability to play heel, the way he plays heel, I don't think a lot of people can mimic that. I think it, it's tried all the time and has failed. Um, but I also, I, I've never seen Triple H as necessarily the best wrestler uh, in the game. And it's going to be contradictory when we get around to my GOAT because he in my opinion, also may not have been the best wrestler. When you look at guys like Daniel Bryan, when you look at guys like Ricochet or Puma, he was he was Luchador, Luchador wasn't he? Was is am I right or wrong? That's behind the curtain, I think. But he was, he was Puma. Puma. Yeah. Um, then I see all this crazy, uh, you know, super technical, and that list goes on forever too. But when you talk GOAT, it's got to be a combination, right? And I'm a heel guy. You guys know I played the villain in Curse of Briarstone. I love the bad guys, and I think there's an art to it. And my guy is a Paul Heyman guy. And he's not the Paul Heyman guy that I talk shit about during the MMA discussion. He is a man by Philip Brooks, but you know him uh, by the name of CM Punk. Extremely technical wrestler extremely good at storytelling when it comes to wrestling so i if you don't know a lot about the business there's a lot of factors but two of the biggest ones are your technicality and your storytelling ability how well can you sell what's going on i think cm punk did a wonderful job of that throughout his entire career through uh adversity through really bum storyline storylines and i always followed his discussion with that when he cut promos that's what i'm gonna get to where i think this puts him to the goat when he starts to cut a promo there is no holds bar he is gonna tell you how he feels and uh he's he's blown the curtain on vince mcmahon several times he dealt with fines he dealt with all kinds of crap in the locker room and it all culminated to where he he stole the greatest wrestler of all time um, title, in my opinion, which would be a pipe bomb and a match against a man named John Cena. Not even a his match, our truths match, I believe, against John Cena, where CM Punk was on his way out the door. Uh, I won't get into the whole legal battle that was going on with him, but there was a huge disagreement with him or his management and WWE, um, to put it in very bland terms. And he was ready to walk. 
um, and was walking and they there was a bit of a workup going on where he was going to leave with the belt and things like that but something happened on the day of this match where his promo turned into a real life discussion with uh, thousands of people in the studio where he, he called shots on Vince McMahon, Triple H, uh, John Cena, everybody from behind the curtain was addressing Dwayne as well um, and to the point where they even cut off his mic and I, I thought like the way he went out, the way he carried himself through his career, the way his uh, uh, character reflected his personality, and the fact that he was upfront about his like straight edge mindset and where that comes from. Um, there's a really cool documentary about him, and I think it just says best in the world. Uh, but I, I think that's what the name of the documentary is called. In my opinion, the goat goes to the best in the world, Mr. CM Punk. Mm, okay. Best in the world. Um, you talk about the CM Punk that that went zero and two in UFC. That that's the same. Not CM the Punk. best fighter in the world. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I just want to make sure that was the same. Side little side story. The 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 first time I visited New Bremen, I actually had a wrestling shirt on, and it was in fact the CM Punk shirt when he did the pipe bomb with the electricity and the the hands. So uh, I love CM Punk. Uh, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I will say he's the first of the generation of what we call the indie darlings who got the opportunity to wrestle in WWE and um, really showcase what we what a lot of wrestling fans of our age didn't really see that technical style that Justin referred to and alluded to. And then even, you know, we got to see it even more with guys like Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, who wrestled at the same time with him. So uh, CM Punk, interesting pick. Didn't see that one coming either, but Hey, I like it. Like I said, we're getting a, a very different group. Now, there's so many things I can't go with GOAT, like without naming, obviously Hulk Hogan's an amazing person. You could easily argue that he was the biggest draw in professional wrestling of all time. Another classic sting, great guy. Most of the time, amazing person. <laughs> Mil Mascaris, like the most prolific Mexican wrestler of all time in Lucha Libre. He's been in over 20 films like the king of Lucha Libre. I mean, there's so many people we could go to, but I mean, for me, I, it's easy. It, there's only one guy. It's the styling, profiling, limousine riding, jet flying, kiss stealing, wheeling dealing, son of a gun, Ric Flair, the nature. Come on, man. He is literally the man. To be the man, you have to beat the man. And if you don't like it, learn to love it. Ric Flair is the GOAT. Um, there's a million reasons why I could go into it. 22-time world champion, 16-time in WWE and WCW. Uh, wrestled for over 40 years. Uh, the biggest reason to me is honestly similar to what I talked about with Marv for Triple H. Um, Ric Flair made careers. Um, one of the things, and, and I'm not holding this against CM Punk, but this is what I love. I love watching people put guys over. I think that's important. And what Ric Flair did is he put a rocket strap on guys like Ricky Steamboat, um, honestly, Macho Man, uh, Hulk Hogan got even bigger after the whole NWA feud with him. There's so many guys. I'm, I'm drawing blanks, but I mean, that's because he's wrestled everybody in the world and he got them famous. Lex Luger. I mean, I could, the list goes on. Like genuinely, Sting got so famous in WCW from wrestling Rick. Um, Ric Flair was the perfect heel. I mean, like, honestly, he kind of had a lot of what everyone was talking about earlier. He was like The Rock. He was just captivating in the 70s. People, he, he had his own faction. He started factions. There weren't factions before the Horsemen. 
He started the faction. He was the original shit-talking heel that was going to say all the dirty things. He's the dirtiest player in the game. He didn't wrestle fair. He wasn't even a good wrestler. But what he was great at is ring psychology, which is something Justin alluded to. He always got the crowd revved up for him to get beat up, right? He'd start winning and cheating, like eye poking the eyes, kicking people in the groin. He'd cheat. And the crowd would get hot and oh, boo. And they'd get really angry for his comeuppance. And he'd always have a comeuppance, which is why I love Ric Flair, is he didn't have an ego, even though he was the most egotistical wrestler there was. And he his whole goal was giving the audience what they want. And at the end of his feuds, having the, the actual face, which is the good guy, come out on top. He may have been winning the feud at first, but like guys like Dusty Rhodes, the American dream became famous because of Ric Flair shenanigans of him constantly beating him. And Dusty ended up having what's called like tough times promo that blew him up and then he ended up winning the title. And so to me, that's why I think Ric Flair is the GOAT. Ric Flair is the GOAT, not because of his own accolades, which are a laundry list, just like Triple H and some other gentlemen like The Rock and I mean, John Cena is another one who's a giant list, The Undertaker, etc. Yes, he's already got that giant list. But to me, when you think of all the goats, most of them were at the top because they kept other people down, like Hulk Hogan, like John Cena. And they had shovels, as we like to call it. Some argue Triple H, but Ric Flair did not keep anybody down. And I, to me, that's what will always make him the goat. Now, he's not my favorite wrestler. Let me clarify that. Randy Savage, the macho man, is my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Like for sure. But uh, when I think of GOAT, I think of what they brought to the business and the industry. And Ric Flair is what made wrestling popular. If Ric Flair didn't blow up in the 70s like he did in the NWA, we I mean, come on, man. He got Ric Flair drip. I mean, he got his own song, baby. Like, come on. Nobody else got that. Uh, Ric Flair, GOAT. But uh, I, I hope you guys enjoyed our GOAT conversation. It was a lot of fun. Obviously, in sports, it's a little easy to have a little fun with this. I don't think we're going to get antagonistic with each other. But uh, stay tuned, people, because we will certainly be having more GOAT conversations in other sports. And on that note, uh, thank you for tuning into The Wire, and we will see you guys next week. I, I do want to say, Richie, before, before we sign off. Yes. I did some research, and I got to say, I have to go with the Canadian fighter. Oh, Jordan Law. GSP. GSP. Georgia St. <laughs> Pierre. I saw some stuff and hands down, sir, I give it to you. <laughs> I like him a lot. A lot, a lot. Well, the only hey, thing. A, uh, John, uh, you can watch the John Jones Daniel Cormier fight on YouTube, folks out there. That's a great fight. And uh, see it There's a lot of great fights on YouTube Donaldson. right now, actually. There are a lot of great fights. There's a lot. The thing I'll say about George that I'm most free cheating. The guy who in a, a dominated sport of professional wrestling, like real professional amateur wrestling, he learned to wrestle without ever going into wrestling. He didn't wrestle in high school or anything. He learned he was a karate guy that learned to wrestle in three years and out wrestled Matt Hughes, who was a four time NCAA champ, etc. So to me, that's why I've always immediately been drawn to him is his natural talent and his true martial art, as Justin likes to talk about, is he's a true martial artist and um, whether or not he's the GOAT, no problem. I appreciate Tony believing he's the GOAT, but uh, that's the beauty of sports, man. It's always going to be a topic for debate, but 
you know what? We, we're talking about some great people, John Jones, and we also had a, uh, oh my goodness. What is that? Amanda Nunez. Amanda Nunez. He's losing my train of thought. Man, I love she comes out in that lion thing every time. That that stuff is dope. But anyways, people, forgot all about the goat. Thank you for that, Tony. Uh, we will be certainly having a goat story again, but stay tuned. Is it going to be football, basketball, baseball, hockey, boxing? Who knows? You're listening to The Wire, guys, and we'll see you next week. If you smell what we're cooking. Mm, jabroni. <laughs>